Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers, Candace Anderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Cleansing Protection Magic. Also, Damian Keller. Binaural production engineer, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in becoming a contributor to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com. You'll find everything there you need. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is William J. Donahue, and he has written uh, some fiction books on... uh, I don't know what they're about. Maybe demons or something like that. I'm not really sure. <laughs> How are you making out? Hey, Gary. How are you doing this evening? I'm pretty good. Good. Um, so so what is what are your books about? I'll start with uh, the most recent. And yeah, you're right on the money. Uh, it's called Burn Beautiful Soul, and it is uh, about demons. Uh, it is a bit different different in terms of what we usually think of as demons. We think of them as these non-corporeal beings that uh, never walk the earth uh, mine kind of turns that on the year we it's more they're more um more satyr like characters so the um the main character's name is basil he's a demon king and he lives in this, this terrible hideous place that's much like hell and he decides that you know what i need a break from this so he decides to come to the human world and uh, as this eight foot tall satyr like demon and he kind of uh, finds his way Hmm. And uh, no, it sounds a little bit like the show Lucifer. Uh, yes, I've never seen that show, but yes, it is like <laughs> that. Um, Lucifer in the show, I understand he's a human. He looks like a human pretty much all the time. Um, Basil looks like he's an eight foot tall, coal, eight foot tall demon with coal black skin, horns and hooves, snake like tail, uh, that whole thing. And uh, most people uh, accept him. Uh, because of the way the world is, um, some don't, but uh, most people do. So, like, he just kind of like walks around and goes to the mall and stuff like that. <laughs> Initially, yeah, starts out at a bar of all places, and then he decides he, he wants to get a job, and he does that. He makes some friends, makes some enemies, and uh, you know, uh, bad things happen along the way. Some good things happen, um, but things do happen. Interesting. So, what inspired you to write this book? I had the concept for the idea um, probably 15 years ago. I think I'd been reading a lot of Christopher Moore, and Christopher Moore is a Christopher Moore is a, is a very good author. He writes across genres, but uh, he's he's um, he's got a very good sense of humor. So when I first thought of this story, um, I just imagined um, this big devil-looking character, kind of like the Satan character from South Park, uh, just working in an office office fixing copiers. Um, but I didn't really know what the story was. Um, but then my wife and I, my wife and I were on, were on vacation in New Hampshire, like just by a lake. And uh, by I would get up early every morning, and um, by the end of that week, I actually I found the story. But uh, to me, demons are something that have always terrified me and fascinated me at the same time. So uh, I wanted to 
kind of write a story about a character that um, I understood a bit better. Um, prior to writing this book or even coming up with the idea, did you ever have any type of paranormal experiences? I've had a few. Um, I have some friends and acquaintances who have had uh, demonic experiences. Uh, for mine, uh, they've been mostly going into places where I didn't feel welcome. Uh, some weird things happening in places that were allegedly haunted. Um, where I live, where I grew up, I grew up in Philadelphia, and just out there, there's plenty of paranormal goings on in Philly. Uh, but just outside the city where I grew up is a place called Bucks County. And Bucks County also has a lot of uh, interesting paranormal um, sites and, and myths and legends and all that kind of stuff. So it's one of those things, uh, I, I think probably every town has that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, if you have an interest, you, you ultimately find your way there. Right. There's that haunted prison in Philly. Uh, yeah, Eastern State Penitentiary. It's, uh, it's, got, a, it's got a lot of great stories. Um, Al Capone was there. For a short time, um, they actually do haunted. They do a fair amount of um, programming there, so it's it's been decommissioned, I think, since uh, I want to say the you see the 40s or the 60s, but it's been a while. Um, but the the place is really falling down; it's in complete disrepair. So around Halloween, they do a lot of Halloween haunting themed programming. But just throughout the year, you can visit any time and go through and just see what this place was like, and and they give you the whole history of the place. But it really is it is fascinating. That is cool. And then you have Fort Mifflin, that's that's right around the corner mm -hmm. too, and Fort Mifflin is is famous as well. Yeah, yeah, there are some good paranormal spots around that area, and also like yeah, like Fort Mifflin, a lot of battlefield stuff too. Yep, yep, uh, yeah, right in in Bucks County, in um, not too far, it's New Hope, Washington Washington Crossing, that whole area, mm -hmm. lots of stuff happened there. Gettysburg is probably about an hour and a half west. Um, so, yeah, a lot of stuff happened here. Good old New Hope. I used to go to a head shop in New Hope called Now and Then. Oh, yeah, I love Now and Then. <laughs> Absolutely. That was a place. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It used to be Zipper Heads. Yep. John and Peters. John and Peters is still there. Um, actually, a friend of mine just played there uh, last weekend. But, uh, yeah, 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 New, yeah, New Hope is a fun town. It's still, it's, it's changed a bit. But it has maintained some of that uh, that head atmosphere. That is cool. Yeah, I played at John Peters too. Oh no, kid, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with the, did you do any type of research into demonology or the occult to write your book? Yes, um, it's one of those things. I don't know about you, but growing up, I, I was always fascinated with this kind of stuff. So if you are again, just like going to those paranormal places, you you tend to seek out things that are tied to that. So whether it's like reading the Satanic Bible and stuff like that when you're in high school or listening to, you know, thrash metal and stuff like that. Um, but as I got older, I, I just found myself, uh, you know, I, I'd be really fascinated to learn more about where this stuff comes from, uh, what the history is, who the, the characters are, so to speak. So yes, I did do a fair amount of research. Um, there's a ton of resources out there in terms of um, talking about the beginnings of all this stuff talking about the different demons, uh, where they come from, what they want, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, so some of it was just kind of to figure out what to avoid, but um, you can go down a lot of interesting rabbit holes uh, learning about these, I'll call them characters, because you know, mm -hmm. whether or not they, they exist, uh, you know, everyone's got their opinion. 
Have you read the Goetia? Uh, Ars Goetia from, um, oh, Lester Kia Solomon? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so that stuff I, I find fascinating and terrifying. When you start oh. getting into the different, um, the different demons and, you know, all the sigils and stuff like that, that's, um, that gets a little freaky for me. Like, I feel like I'm reading, like, I feel like I'm a kid again, kind of looking at the old Dungeons and Dragons manual, but these, like looking at the different monsters, but but these things are are you know allegedly real. So at that point, I my interest is like okay, I got to step back a little bit. But I, I find it again fascinating but terrifying. Interesting, you know, when I was a kid growing up, we didn't have a whole lot of access to that kind of stuff like we do now. Mm-hmm. And one of the few places that we could find stuff like that there was a store actually in New Hope, and it was like a, a an actual witchcraft store. And it was an old witch work there. It was like a place where you could buy like, like you know, like like bat wings and, and like like all this kind of stuff, like these little jars. Yep. You know, it, it's still there. It was a completely different type of shop now. There is a witchcraft shop there. It, like you said, it's probably not the same one. But yeah, there's little pockets of things that uh, really interesting little places that uh, and, and again, every town's got a place like that. But it's nice to see those places holding on. Yeah. Um, so, if, if you, why would you write a book about demons if you found the real demons kind of terrifying? Yeah, fair question. Um, it's one of those things where you know we might be scared of something, but we it's like a, almost like a car crash, something like that. You you it's terrible to look at, but you don't want to look away. So I still I love horror films. I grew up watching horror films. Um, it's, it's part of who I, who I am. I've always been drawn to kind of the, the dark side of things. Um, with this character, again, I, I, I write horror um, and dark urban fantasy. Um, it's just what I'm drawn to. So uh, I have a friend uh, named Chris Bauer. He's a thriller writer, uh, a thriller writer of some note. And he is a saying that uh, he's going to hate me for borrowing it. But he says, the thing that I write will be the thing that I write. And I've never really asked him about what he meant by that. But what I think he means is, you know, he writes the story that that comes to it. Um, and that was the case for this. This is, again, I, I had the germ of an idea. Um, I just didn't know what the story was. And eventually I found it. And um, I think I wanted a character that I could relate to. I could I could sort of understand um, in this novel. There is lots of horror and lots of bad things happen. But there's also a fair degree of 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 tenderness and, and humor, actually a lot of humor. So I don't know, maybe that's my way of, of trying to, to come to terms with something that I'm, that I am afraid of. What is more horrific, the things that you write about or the world we're currently living in? Oh God, the world we live in. <laughs> why? What do you think? Why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Because it's real. Um, so, you know, you, the human mind, I mean, you can imagine anything. And, and it's, it's personal. It's small when, when you, when it's just your imagination. But when you look around the world, the world, I think the world is actually a beautiful place. And I think humans are, are generally good creatures, but we have the capacity to do terribly horrible things. Um, so when you see those things, it's, it's really difficult. Um, to, it's difficult to think about someone doing like that, which is why if if demons are not real it's almost tempting to think that they are because that would mean 
that and a demon say it and influences someone. To me, it's almost comforting to think that that person did not do that bad thing by themselves. They were influenced by some otherworldly force that made them do that. It does give an explanation for people's unexplainable behavior, that's for sure. Yes. Because some, some things that people do, it's hard to conceptualize why they do them. Absolutely. It's every day we see it, and it, uh, it makes it makes... It makes it difficult to, to watch the news, listen to the news. Um, and it seems like some days it seems like, okay, it can't get any worse and, and it continues to do so. But again, I, I, I have faith in humanity. I have faith in the world. I think the world is fundamentally good. I think, I think the, let me put it this way. I think the world is beautiful. I think humanity, humanity is fundamentally good, but often loses his or her way. Hmm. And does any of that play out in your book with your character when he's yes. confronted with humanity? Absolutely. Um, so again, Basil, he's a demon king. He's he, he's a demon king. He's the king of demons. They do atrocious things, really horrible, terrible things. Um, and so he comes he comes basically to Earth to find some peace um, because he's got he has humanity to him. So he comes here looking for peace, which he finds in some way, but he also runs into characters that don't do the right thing, um, including you know people that are, are who, who believe they believe they are doing the right thing by confronting him and, and trying to drive him away. And um, you can make the case that the humans humans are worse than demons in this story. Some humans. So, so humans would almost seem like demons to demons. Uh, this particular demon, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is clever, man. That is really clever. Um, what, how are, what authors have influenced your writing? What horror authors? Stephen King, Anne Rice, Kurt Vonnegut. When I first started writing, it was uh, the first book that, that made me want to write was Jaws from Peter Benchley. And we could argue all day. Oh, shit. Not that... I knew Peter. Oh, did you really? He was from Princeton. That's right. He was. Yeah. How did, uh, how did, that, uh, how did that link up? Uh, he was kind of a, he was a nice guy. He was a little, was a little odd, you know, a yeah. little awkward type of personality. Okay. But you could talk to him. He would never, like, not talk to you. Right. That's great. Yeah. So writing or reading him, and actually it wasn't Jaws that interested me first. It was his book Beast, Beast which is yeah. about a giant squid, which is basically Jaws with a giant squid. But I found it, I found it terribly entertaining. Um, and then it got uh, it moved on to thriller writers like um, Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child. And then I got into um, some other King, of course, um, Christopher Moore, who was kind of horror humor. Um, now I probably I. I tr I probably read maybe ten horror books a year. I would read I read probably sixty books a year, but ten of which are horror. Um, the the writers that influenced me the most were it sounds strange, but um, the people who in, who influenced me the most were probably people like John Updike, Philip Roth, Jim Harrison, and Elizabeth Strout. Mm -hmm. And they're not horror writers, but they write about the horrors of everyday life. Um, John Updike in particular. Um, he comes from a, a 
a very privileged background. He lives a privileged life. His characters lead, lead privileged lives. Um, and they're at the point where, in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, he's got everything, their characters have everything met. So they're at the point where they can think about things like, am I happy? Do I have, does my life have meaning? Uh, things like that. And in the process, they kind of destroy themselves um, in order to, to find happiness. It's kind of weird. So um, think going talking about things, and one of his books is uh, called The Maple Stories, which is really good, which is about the life, death, and afterlife of a marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really fascinating to show all the good and bad things that happen. And uh, so people like him just made me see that there are, like, like horror doesn't have to be all blood and guts in order to be terrified. <laughs> That's true. Um, it's kind of funny that you mentioned some of that. Like when you were mentioning like some, you know, sort of like the upscale type of horror, it made me think of um, like Oscar Wilde's picture of Dorian Gray. Hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of like you can find horror elements in almost every book. Um, a Monster Calls, which is a YA novel, I thought was really well done. It, it's uh, it's kind of YA slash. Um, yeah, I guess there are some illustrations in it, but it's um, it's about essentially about a um a child whose mother has cancer and it's all about how he is dealing with that or or not dealing with it and and just getting to the point where where they're ready to let go of each other and it's really it's touching and it's terrible and um it it, it's it's a monstrous book but uh, to your point there there's there's horror in almost every book and it doesn't have to be the hardcore stuff Hmm. so how about movie wise uh, in terms of uh, horror films, yep. For me, the the things that I'll, I guess I'll start with the things that kind of influenced me most as as you know starting on, but then uh, the movies about like demons and evil and stuff like that I find really fascinating too. But uh, I grew up watching things like um, the the ones that really got me were The Howling, The Thing, and Poltergeist, early '80s stuff. And um, even Michael Jackson's thriller video with the werewolf part, that that messed me up a bit. Um, But things like that really got me interested. And and those films I mentioned, the effects are good. The acting is good. um, The stories are very good. Um, But yeah, I've always been interested in in the demonic style. Like Poltergeist, like I said, that was terrific. Um, I kind of like the ones that uh, were about kind of angels and demons, good and bad. Uh, the movie Frailty from with uh, Matt McConaughey and Bill Paxton I felt was really good, and that's essentially about the uh, father of two young boys who uh, who believes that he's been called upon by God to kill demons. And funny thing is, the demons look an awful lot like you and me, um, just people walking around. There's no there's no way you could possibly tell that they would be demons. So throughout the film, you're not sure. You're really not sure. Like, there's lots of stuff happens, but you're not sure whether or not this guy is crazy, or if he is in fact touched by God, and he is killing demons, or he's just killing um, regular normal people. It's really, it's really a fascinating uh, movie, and and by the end, you're you're still not sure quite what happened. Hmm. I've never seen that one. It's worth a watch. Frailty. <clears throat> Were you influenced by any of the earlier horror movies, like Hammer films or the stuff of like Vincent Price and Roger Corman movies? I was funny. I was just talking about Roger Corman yesterday. Um, I grew up like the the was the creature from the haunted sea. That was kind of fun. 
uh, Piranha, I loved. Like any kind of creature feature film, uh, I loved. My favorite of all time would probably be uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, um, the Universal film. Um, Hammerfolds, I liked. Um, I loved Gargoyles, which wasn't, uh, it was a made for TV movie from probably 1972. And it was just about this race of gargoyle like creatures living in the desert. And uh, humanity has kind of pushed them, like encro encroached upon their habitat and pushed them into the small pocket. And they're starting to rebel and, and uh, fighting against uh, the humans. And that was a lot of fun. And that was one of those things that just really hooked me early on and just drew me toward any kind of any kind of monster movie. Hmm. Um, how about vampire movies? At this point, uh, I like the, the Bela Lugosi uh, version. When I first saw um, Bram Stoker's Dracula with Gary Oldman, I didn't like it. Um, now, as I'm older, I can appreciate kind of that, uh, that romantic style. Um, I thought 30 Days of Night was really good, like that really dirty, seedy version of of vampires. I thought that was pretty cool. But um, I, yeah, I, I like them. I wouldn't say they're my or my favorite brand of monster, but um, uh, they're fun. Godzilla? I love Godzilla. Uh, Godzilla versus Hedra is one of my favorite movies, but uh, I could watch Godzilla all day long. Have you seen the latest one? With King Kong? Yeah. No, and here's why. Um, I'm so afraid that King Kong is going to win. Um, so I, I've really shied away from it. Eventually I'm going to see it, but I have the feeling I'm, I'm going to be disappointed. I like it because one of the main characters is a, uh, podcaster who's into conspiracies. Oh, no kidding. Mm -hmm. Did you, did, so did you like it? I did like it. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you, based on my proclivities, I'm not going to ask you if I would like it. So I, I know eventually I'm going to see it. I think you'll like it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what um, monster would scare you the most? Like, like you were talking about like the thing, being afraid of things that are kind of real. Right. So, so what would... What do you think like about like something like Bigfoot or Dogman? The the thing it's funny. Um, someone had once asked me what I'm afraid of most, and I, I came up with four answers, and they're all true: um, lightning, sharks, uh, human babies, and to answer your question, werewolves. Um, I, I really am terrified of werewolves. I, I I do a fair amount of hiking, including uh, overnight hiking in the woods, like uh, like extended trail hikes. Um, including a few by myself, and the whole time I'm just I'm terrified of werewolves. Um, so I actually met a, I met an alleged werewolf in college. Um, he said he came from a family of of lycanthropes. Um, it wasn't like what he said. It wasn't like what they do in, in, in Hollywood. It wasn't like legends, but um, there were certain things about him that um, made him part of this 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 race. But the werewolves are are, are what do it for me. Ah. So uh, were you a fan of um, American Werewolf in London? Love that. Love the howling. Um, if there's a werewolf in it, I, I will watch it uncomfortably. Hmm. I don't remember like, that movie Altered States. He turns into some kind of creature, too. Oh, I didn't see that. No. Yeah, it's good. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's not. It's a movie that's not, it's not talked about too often. Um. 
so how do you develop your characters? Do you develop your characters from people that you know in real life and just change their names? Or do you base them on different traits of your own personality and kind of build upon that? I think every writer would say that there's, you know, there's, there's a good chunk of them in every book and in almost every character. Um, for me, um, I don't know if there's someone I meet, I'm not going to put them in my book, so to speak. But, um, the, the good thing about life experience is that you meet people along the way that, that, that make an impression on you, good or bad. And that's something, those experiences you can draw upon. And, uh, as you're, as you're kind of, meeting your characters, so to speak, um, you, you kind of learn how they will react based on the people you've met. And as they kind of become formed, uh, they, it sounds really cheesy to say, but they make decisions for themselves. Mm -hmm. Do you base them ever on any type of like archetype? Um, not, uh, not necessarily. No. Um, so when I, when I'm writing, a lot of my writing is is actually not writing. It sounds stupid to say that, but uh, we live in a in a wooded area, and I, I walk my dog twice a day. And so I'll go out in the morning with him for an hour. And this is going to sound really dumb, but I'll be honest. So as I'm walking with him, I'm thinking out my characters. I'm having conversations between my characters, um, and just seeing what they say and what they do to each other. And then I come home and I jot the notes down, and that becomes my map. Um, so. As I, as I sit down for a former writing session, I know where I'm going. So I've already had those conversations with the characters and I know kind of where, how they're, they're playing with each other. And, uh, it just kind of, it, it builds from there. Um, so I would say that you, you start with a general idea of, of, of who the person is, or in this case, who the demon is. And, um, based on how the other characters come in, then that kind of influences their decisions and where the story goes from there. So, so what other things have you written? So I've written, this is, this is my first published novel. It's actually my seventh that I'm written. Um, so before this, I did a lot of, I did a fair number of short stories and novellas that got published. Um, I also published three collections and, um, each one of those was, uh, was horror based. So the first one was called Brain Cradle. Uh, the second was Filthy Beast and the third was Too Much Poison. And uh, too much poison. I like to call my um, my nervous breakdown book because uh, there were things. I think we've all gone through things in our lives that um, push us to that, to that point. So uh, the stories that came out during that time ended up in, in that collection. Oh. Is it like a neurotic type of book? Uh, there are some. There's some erotic pieces in there, but it's um, really about people that have made bad decisions and kind of destroyed themselves and um, <laughs> and are in different stages of recovery. Huh, story of my life. There you go. <laughs> it's it's funny. I think oh, life is really interesting sometimes, and um, we we all take our time beneath the wheel. Um, so uh, we're either before it, after it, or right under it. It's true. Um. So you're not too far from New Jersey. So have you ever thought about writing anything about the Jersey Devil? Uh, I haven't. I actually have friends, um, fellow authors, who wrote, wrote a whole collection about the Jersey Devil. Uh, each had their own spin on it. But uh, I used to work with a guy. He was from Philly, but he lived in Jersey. And when you move to Jersey or you live in Jersey, you have to believe in the Jersey Devil. It's like it's required. 
Um, so, so I learned all about it from him. This is before I ever heard of the Jersey Devil, and I was in my in my teens or early twenties. Um, and I love the legend, and I love the idea that there. I love the idea of cryptids. I love the idea that there are things out there that are just beyond our grasp, um, and things that are kind of ancient or eternal or just you know so different from us. Yeah. <clears throat> are you ever afraid to hang out? At Kensington in Allegheny? Uh, yes, but probably not for the reason you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you afraid to go to Kensington in Allegheny? Well, it's a that's a it's a rough area, um, but uh, yeah, the, Philly's got um, uh, a, a pretty famous um, drug problem, and I think that's uh, that's the neck of the woods that you're referring to. But uh, what? What are you referring to specifically? Oh, it's rough. I mean, yeah. it's almost as bad as going across the river to Camden. Now, okay. Camden is the place that horror movies are made from. Yeah. Um, it's it's come a bit of a way, but yeah, there, there are definitely places in Camden that um, I wouldn't want to go into. I mean, it's almost completely lawless. Yeah. Uh, I remember you mentioned... You played at John and Peter's, mm -hmm. and uh, back in when I was growing up in my teens and twenties, I was in a I was in a punk band, and uh, we played in a lot of places that I, I probably wouldn't go to these days. Um, just clubs in um, like Penstalken and Reading and Allentown, and uh, just bad parts of Wilmington, places like that. Philly, of course, um, and sometimes like you know, like we had uh, our window shot out once. That was fun. Um, <laughs> And just, just, you know, stuff like that. So, good times. Do you ever play at City Gardens? Never played at City Gardens. Um, went to a bunch of shows there. But, uh, yeah. That was a, that was a, that was a, um, that's an institution. I used to live a block away. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you probably saw everybody. Uh, yeah, I've seen thousands. <laughs> I think there. It seems that way. Is that what you grew up listening to? Yeah. Punk and metal? Yeah, punk and metal. Yeah. Oh, I awesome. mean, I've seen so many bands at City Gardens. It's incredible. I mean, I've seen, you know, I mean, I used to hang out with Ramones because I knew them. But I used to no see kidding. them there all the time. Saw Soundgarden there, Faith No More, Iggy Pop, um, Gang Green, Guar, like 15 times <laughs> at least. You, you gotta love Guar. Like, no, I, I know they're, they're kind of a joke in some ways, but uh, I, I love Guar. I do too. Well, I just saw them, in, I saw them in Camden not that long ago. How were they without Yodorus? They're still good. Yeah? I mean, there's only two original members left. Yeah. So, so they'd make up for it with more blood. Okay. <laughs> Who's left? Beefcake? Is Beefcake still kicking? Uh, it's, it's Ballsack. Ah. And, and yeah, Beefcake. Those are the only okay. two originals left. Were you at the, at the, uh, the infamous Exploited show? I think it was. Wow. Okay. That's that's some cred right there. <laughs> yeah, I've been to a few shows that were where rides have broken out. Okay. A couple. At least. I know there was a, a circle jerk show that I was at that <laughs> went really bad. No kidding. Yeah. At that at City Guards? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It like spilled out into the street and it was a mess. Now, that's actually a Ramon show, too, where somebody got killed. 
Really? Yes, yeah, STD Gardens. Some skinheads kicked some guy to death oh, in the God. parking lot. And then Sonic Youth wrote a song about it called Dirty Boots. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, there there are times, uh, there are things about that life that I, that I miss, but a lot of it that, um, I guess I still go to shows, um, but I'm very selective now, of course, you yeah, have the pandemic to think about, but um yeah, there, there's some stuff that uh, you just, you know, you, you don't put up with now. I still do a little bit. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Like the last time I saw Guar and Camden with his St. Clown Posse, okay. it was it was brutal. Really? Yeah, but luckily I had my, uh, my great nephew. He's huge. So okay. I use him as a shield. Oh, no. Are you still in the pit? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I saw... Uh, Prophets of Rage at uh, Stone Pony, not that long ago. Oh, a couple few years ago. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That's uh, is that Chuck D and the guys from Rage Against the Machine? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that was I, a good show. That's been a fun show. Cool. Um, who's your favorite punk band? Oh God. Um. All right. So the the Misfits were the band that really really hooked me in. Um. I don't know if you're going to call them punk, but uh, Sam Hain or Sawin, however you're going to pronounce it. I still love their stuff. Um, these days, I listen to more of the poppy stuff, like the Menzingers, like our current band that I think is really good. Um, Iron Sheik, I like a lot. But if I'm like old school, I, I like um, Misfits, Cro-Mags, stuff like that. Dag Nasty. Hmm. Do you listen to any uh, Stoner or Doom? You know, like Sleep, uh, Electric Wizard... Someone passed me on to Electric Wizard last year. I liked that stuff. Um, Trouble, I, I that, that like preceded all that stuff. I still listen to them. Um, I saw them open for Danzig like in '90, and I I still listen to them. But they're they're probably kind of a precursor to the like Electric Wizard and stuff. Yeah, I love Wizard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorites. Nice. Yeah. Pretty cool. So, um, what was what was the last show you went to? When I show, I'm trying to think. Um, it might have been like so. <laughs> I still got so I still got a punk shows, metal shows. The last one was probably a singer songwriter show, but um, so the last punk show I went to was probably the Menzingers and Iron Sheik, or uh, Violent Society, and it was like a hardcore. Oh yeah, it was like a, it was like a hardcore day. Mm -hmm. but, uh, so it was like Violent Society and a bunch of other bands. That's cool. You still go in the pit? I do for, I'll go in for a little bit. Um, so we saw the, we, I'll go in for like the, the Menzingers and that's just like poppy punk. Everybody's cool. I don't go in the metal pit too often. Like I, I went to go see, I'll still go to Danzig when he comes around, even though he's, he's not that, his shows, his shows actually <laughs> got better compared to like 10, 15 years ago. But I'm usually up, up front and uh, I'm away from all the, all the stuff. So metal shows, I generally stay out of it just because people are, are trying to hurt each other. But punk shows, I think the, the, the audiences are, are a bit different. So that's a little bit easier. What do you think of Danzig Does Elvis? Am I being honest with you? Yeah. I thought it was awful. <laughs> uh, I, I love him, and I want him to succeed. Um, and some of his later albums, like... like 666 that album it's it's actually it's one of my favorite albums of his but um 
just like the last album and the, and the Elvis album, I really wanted to love it, but um, I just don't. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I, my neighbor bought it, and he actually returned it. Is that right? Yeah. 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 It's, uh, he's, I mean, he's a legend, and I, I love him, and, and he changed my life in a lot of ways, but um, I guess that's why he's, he's turning to film now. Who would win in a fight, Danzig or Henry Rollins? <laughs> I'm going to go with Henry um, just because of, well, I mean, I, the only, I know I've seen, uh, you know, Glenn in his younger days when he was um, doing his Jeet uh, Kwon Do and stuff like that. And he looked like he could hold his own. But then, of course, there's that famous video of him getting his cock clean. Um, but, you know, I, I, I honestly, I, I just, I, at this point, I think Henry is cooler. So I, I kind of want Henry to, to, to fare better. <laughs> but I love that whole the whole um, meme. It's the whole meme of like Henry and and Glenn hanging out and like you know canning and jarring and all that kind of stuff and just doing like friend things. I think that's funny as hell. That's cool. I actually knew Henry Rollins too. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Well, again, the, he's uh, some of his band, some of the Rollins band were from my neighborhood. Wow. Uh, Sim Kane. Okay. Yeah, he's from Princeton. No kidding. Okay. And, and Rollins used to always be hanging out. He used to hang out in the city gardens all the time, too. That's great. Yeah. Yep. He can remember one time he got in a fight with the guy from Venom. Oh, no kidding. Cronos. Mm-hmm. Cronos? Uh, I, I can't imagine Cronos did, did very well. <laughs> Venom's great. I actually, Venom is great. Um, in terms, I grew up listening to the metal first. And. Um, that's kind of my my go to, but you know, of course uh, the crossover stuff. Shut up! Fun, but uh, there's there's, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. I started out with metal also, and then once hair metal came out, then I had to go punk because there was okay. like, really nowhere else to turn. Yeah, it's funny at this point. Like I find myself, I have a I have a soft spot for for hair metal, but I also have a soft spot for Huey Lewis. Stop. Hair, so I'm not sure what that says. <laughs> I liked hair metal for picking up girls. That's good. Yep. I'm trying to get my dog to stop barking. Oh, okay, gotcha. Shut up! Yeah, we have uh, we have a big dog and, and three cats, so um, I'm surprised that none of them are pawing at the door. So I feel your pain. <laughs> Hold on one second. I'm going to pause it to take care of this dog. Got it. So... Did the music influence any of your horror writing? Um, yes, yes, and no. So I, th- I think a lot of the things that that I was interested when I first got into metal, um, you you'd be or like Venom, like a Venom or Possessed album, something like that. You're just introduced to all these concepts that are just too big and too crazy for a 15 year old or 16 year old kid to to not follow and to not uh, find an interest in. So in that sense. Uh, that really kickstarted my my imagination. So um, again, Venom, King Diamond, Slayer, all that kind of stuff. Um, even today, like Carcass, um, all that stuff. It just it uh, it kind of makes a tapestry, and uh, you just uh, you you want to see where it takes you. So yeah, absolutely. In that sense, it did. Hmm. Did any of this stuff influence um, any type of uh, spirituality for you? I, I think about that stuff a lot. So 
Um, I would say I'm, I'm agnostic. I, um, I want to believe in God, and I guess I kind of do because I'm thankful for my existence. And uh, I, I think it's great if people have spirituality and it makes them a better, stronger person. I think that's awesome. Um, for me, if there, if there is a God, I don't necessarily think it, he, she, or it wants to have a relationship with us. But um, there are, are times when I'm like, well, I'm hiking, I'm in the woods or on top of a mountain or something like that. And you just look around and you're just like, this is amazing. Like the world is amazing. And um, you, it's very tough not to think about there being some sort of creator or some sort of higher being that put all this stuff into motion. Um, so doing the research and reading about things like demons, um, that makes me, that makes me want to be religious for like protection and stuff like that. But, um, it really hasn't changed things. Uh, I am, I'm open to the idea of other planes of existence. I'm open to, uh, I'm open to the idea of stuff, but, um, I haven't seen, it sounds terrible to say I haven't seen proof of it. Um, in some ways, I hope I never do, but um, I, I guess it hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, I, I've been this way since I was a teenager, and uh, I'm still on pretty much the same path. Hmm. So how does that work into, like, if, if you're not believing in, if you're agnostic, and you're writing books about demons, which are normally from hell, do you write about them coming from hell? Or do you ever write about them coming from a, another dimension? So in this sense, they come from a place that is very much like hell. So the, the thing that, so when I first wrote this book, when I wrote the first draft and I finished it, um, I was surprised and, and horrified to see how much of my Catholic upbringing influenced the book. So no matter how far I want to get away with it, get away from it, it's still there. Um, the story did evolve quite a bit toward the end to kind of shy away from that. But really, the whole point of the book is really about it's about sin and punishment and redemption, uh, which are all very Catholic themes. So I may be agnostic now, but uh, I definitely have a background that continues to influence me to this day, whether I wanted to or not. Mm hmm. If you were dying right now, mm -hmm. what would you would you expect an afterlife? Uh, I'm or would you want best. want there to be an afterlife? If this was like your your last minute, this this podcast was your last words. I, I would hope I'd have I would have something more profound to say. Um, I mean, I want it. I, I don't mean this to sound flip, but you know, I, I hope I see my dogs again. Um, things like that. But uh, I guess it depends on what the afterlife is. Um, everyone's got their, their own idea of it. And um, if it's if, if we can continue to learn and to experience things and grow and, and do cool stuff, yes, I absolutely want to be an afterlife. Um, but again, it depends on, on what it's going to be. Um, I, I would love to stay alive for as long as I can because all in all, I think the world is a pretty cool place. Interesting. You've never had a near-death experience? Um, I've jumped out of planes, so I'm not sure if that counts. Um, no, yeah, I, I've had situa I've never had like a you know leaving your body experience. I've certainly had situations where I was in danger and I very easily could have gotten killed. Um, but um, 
No, not, nothing I would, I would describe as a near-death experience. No. How about with hallucinogenics? I've never, I, I've done, you know, I've, I've, I've been pretty loose with that stuff. I haven't done a whole lot. Um, I guess in that sense, I've been pretty tame. Really? Yeah. But I've, I've heard, it's funny, you're, you're the, <laughs> you're the second person that has asked me that question. And I was surprised the first time I heard it. Yeah. I mean, you're into punk and metal. You're right. Horror. So one would automatically assume that you've at least smoked a little bit of angel dust. Believe it or not. No. Mushrooms? No. LSD? No. I, I've, I've, Marijuana? Uh, yes. And I, I've, uh, <sighs> I've, I've drank my share. I have drank more than my share of anything. Um, that would, that's been my vice. My alcohol has been my vice. Um, I, which is mostly behind me now. It probably makes me sound very boring. Um, but, uh, I, I have definitely had my fun. Okay. Fair enough. It's a shame that you kind of missed it on the angel dust scene now. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't even know what the experience is like. I mean, I I have I've read nothing about it. I have I I I have no clue. I I'm sure it's wild, but um I I can't imagine. It'll shake up your reality. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that that's I to be honest, that's always been my fear with uh with with drugs. Um I'm fine with losing control, but I wouldn't want to like you, you hear I'm sure it's 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 what they tell you in order to make you not want to do it but they say if you do certain things it's going to mess you up in a certain way and I, I never wanted to there are some things i like about my brain and i was worried about messing them up really see it had an opposite effect on me i, I talk about it a lot actually you know when i was in high school like i had a really bad learning disability mm-hmm. and then after high school i went on a, a three-month angel dust binge wow and after that i was fine no more learning disability. Went to college, no got through college, fine. It was completely normal after that. Wow, I I, I won't ask you to, to tell me what it was like on this podcast, but I'll have to um, I'll have to research it and see. I'm not going to do it, but just at this point, but um, I, I'm curious to see what it does to you. No, it's kind of it's like acid, but it just it's a little bit more intense and lasts longer. Hmm. Yeah, I've certainly had um, like in the band days and stuff like that. I, you know, you meet a lot of people that uh, that you know do interesting things, and uh, I certainly hung around with people that uh, they weren't shy about um, about that being around. But it's just something I I I never embraced. Hmm. Well, it's never too late. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Especially now, you know, because. Like now, some of it's even being recognized as a healing modality. Wow. I mean, you know, things like ayahuasca, stuff like that, DMT. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm unfamiliar with the cult. Like, there's, it's funny, man. Like, um, there's so much, there's so much in the world, and I feel like some, I, I feel like I'm in tune with most things, but there's like, there are some soldiers, some cultures and, and subcultures that I, um, I'm just com- completely oblivious, completely oblivious to, and that's one of them. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, being in the music, I was surrounded by it. Yeah. But I guess there were always like that that one guy who didn't partake, the straight edge guy, like Henry Rollins, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, he was always like that straight edge guy who just didn't do it. Yeah. 
yeah, I wasn't the straight edge guy. Like we, it's funny, like everybody had, when you're in those circles, there's always, everyone's got their thing. Like uh, that's the straight edge guy. That's, that's the meth guy. Um, you know, all that stuff. Um, so I, again, I, I drank until I was blackout, until I was blackout drunk and, and then some. Um, but yeah, the drug stuff just, um, I never got into. Hmm. Uh, drinking's bad. It's evil. I agree. It'll jack your <laughs> ass up. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. Um, one of the things that you mentioned about far as fear goes was sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I always say, in, in, in you know, the little beat of pantry thing and Jaws, you know, like my fear, honestly, my, my biggest fear is dying alone, old, in a nursing home. I would much rather die like Quinn in Jaws. Yeah. That's a hero's death. Yeah, that's a good death. But dying alone in a nursing home is hell. I don't think there's anything on this planet scarier than that. I I agree with you. I agree with 100%. It's uh, actually, I had this conversation yesterday with my sister-in-law who worked in a nursing home. And uh, she, 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 she saw a lot of, like everyone's seen it because everyone's had a family member go through it, but she would see it every day and see people just degress and degress and degress and get to a point where they're just unrecognizable. But she said um, she worked with, she knew one woman. Um, she was relatively young to be a nursing home. She was like 57. Um, but she, what she had going for her is that she was schizophrenic. So she she was in a good frame of mind because she could get out of her she could get out of her reality, and because that seems like like you said that seems like such a terrible a terrible reality. Um, I would rather like you said someone push me off a cliff or leave me in the woods for a bear to eat me. That sounds either that either one of those things sounds much better than than what you said. Right. Would you choose a nursing home or a werewolf? Oh, werewolf. Yeah, because like I said, well, okay, you have two things going for you. Okay, if you survive the counter, you get to come back and you know live that life. You get that experience, um, or or you're dead and and you're just dead and it's over. But yep. for a nursing home, that seems like that's just it's not eternal suffering, but it's uh, suffering for much longer than than you need to. Do you ever incorporate any of that into your writing? You know, like that deep, sad loneliness that just ends in sort of a nihilistic pointless end absolutely uh like we were saying earlier i think some of the most terrible things are just it's like normal everyday life it's in some cases it's tedium in some cases it's going through that kind of suffering um i have a novel coming out next year and that's kind of one of the things i i hit on in that um but yeah and like i said earlier that the book that i had my nervous breakdown book too much poison there's just so much of, of that stuff. It's just like, it's interesting because the, the person who wrote that stuff doesn't exist anymore. I mean, we've all gone through, through, through points in our lives when we're just broken. And uh, hopefully we come out of it, we, come, we become somebody else. And we have that experience to fall back on. But um, like I said, if I read the stuff that I wrote, if I read the stuff, from that book, which was from ten years ago, I guess at this point. I guess at this point, um, 
I don't recognize the person who wrote it. Hmm. Too much poison. Does that refer to alcohol? Uh, in a way, it, it certainly could. And the, the cover is, it looks like someone pouring a wine bottle and, and looks either blood or wine could be both. Um, so it's, it's partly about that, but it's also just about having, feeling too much suffering to want to go on. Yeah, I know that spot. It's a, it's a tough spot to be in. Um, yeah. And I, I think if you live long enough, um, everyone is bound to experience that in some way, whether it's um, going through issues with a relationship or a job or health, whatever it is. It's just um, the world's a great place, but when you're in a bad way, it's the worst place in the world. How would you... What advice would you give to people that are in that space? Um, as hard as it seems, you're asking me the question, so I'll answer it because I hope I don't come off as like some pompous jerk, but um, it's probably the same advice you get from anybody else, and it would be hold on because you're going to go through it. Um, I remember sitting on the edge of a bed with a gun in my lap a couple of times and because I didn't think that I, I saw no way out of the stuff that I was going through. But like I was saying earlier about the guy who wrote that book 15 years ago, um, I don't recognize the person who sat on that bed um, because I got through it. Um, no matter what, things are going to change. Um, for better or for worse, hopefully for the better, uh, things will change. That's the only, that's the only thing that's, that's for certain. So just hold on. It's good advice. I would probably say the same thing too, that no matter what it is, um, you can get through it. As long as uh, you don't overindulge in destructive behaviors. Yeah. Otherwise, then it just spirals down, 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 down. And yeah. Like uh, nine inch nails downward spiral. There you go. Yep. Yeah, I remember you mentioned alcohol, too much poison, et cetera. But uh, that was definitely, um, I was definitely filling a void with that. So, um, I, but that, I guess that's what I needed to do at that time. Did you quit completely? I didn't. Um, luckily, I don't have much of a taste for it anymore. I still crave it. Um, but I'll drink probably, I'll have a drink a month at this point, as opposed to a bottle and a half a night. Um, so it's, it's much different. So like I said, luckily, luckily my taste buds or, or whatever in my body has said, no, thanks. That's good. Yeah. It's uh, I'm a, I'm a different person now, so that's good. What, what made you change? Uh, a couple things. One, again, my, I, um, I used to drink a ton of Pinot Noir. Uh, our wine was, was my thing. And, um, it was just, it was, it was a disgusting amount of wine. Um, and slowly but surely, like it just started tasting like vinegar to me. And, um, like there's still some stuff I can, I can drink, I can tolerate, but, uh, my, my body was starting to reject it. Um, but there was also, there were some behaviors that I, I shouldn't have been doing some, some thoughts I was having, um, that I finally said, you know what, I, I have to change this. And, there was also some people that I was I was hanging out with and that I I parted ways with, um, so that was helpful as well. Yeah, sometimes hanging out with the wrong crowd is not good. Right. 
Um, but did it, how, like, like, do you ever, like, does that, in, like, in, in that book, Too Much Poison, like, do you, you really address, like, some of the dark side of that, the loneliness, the, the not being able to stop, um, the, you know, the loss of, like, waking up in, in places that you don't recognize where you are? Yep. Actually, there's a story in that book. Um, it's a collection of stories that are loosely tied together. So one of them is about, um, it's called Demons of Chicago. And it's about this uh, aging metal guy. He's, so he's in a metal band. Um, and he's like 45 years old. So he's like far past his, his prime. Like he, that they, that this band came from a, um, from a pretty high point. And at this point, they're, you know, the, the, basically the world has moved on. Mm-hmm. But they're still doing it. And he doesn't know how to stop. He doesn't know how to do something else. He doesn't know how to recreate himself. And, you know, there, there's, he remembers things like, like I said, waking up on, like, waking up on beaches and uh, on the beaches know how he got there. Or, uh, just making certain life decisions that, you know, no sane person would make. Um, it's all about, it's all about life. Um, it, and that's the funny thing about, about, I, I think, writing. Um, if you, if you do it well, um, you can have a, a suit and tie guy that could be your protagonist, but you could be someone who does not live that life in any way, shape or form, but you still understand the struggle that, that he's going through because it's all about happiness and fulfillment and love and all that kind of stuff. Um, so those are like the, those are like enduring principles that you can find in pretty much every story. Hmm. You know, one time. I don't know what happened, but I woke up in the back of a car in Philly. And I didn't know how I got there. And there was two guys sitting in the front that I didn't know smoking a joint. Wow. And then the uh, somehow I got them to drop me off at Oxford Valley Mall in Bucks County. Wow. And then I was able <laughs> to call some friends to get them to pick me up there. That's wild. <laughs> It is amazing though. Like you're you're counting on people's better angels to 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 not kill you or rob you or steal your liver or whatever. You I know, don't know. I, I don't know how I ended up there. Right. It's it's amazing. Like because there are so many times that uh, almost that that's that I think is a great story. But like there's so many like there's there's things that we we end up in places like how did I get through that? How did I up there? How did I survive? Um, life life is crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. That's one of those things I'll just never forget. Like, like we just wake up in the back of that car and like, what, <laughs> what happened? Yeah, <laughs> I don't even know where I was last. No kidding. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, no kidding. Um. So, so what are some of your projects coming up? So I'm. Uh, I have a new novel coming out in April of uh, 2022. Um, I have another novel that I'm currently shopping to publishers and, uh, I have another that I'm, that I'm writing. So, um, three novels in three different stages of, of development. Um, I've also been working with an artist on a project. Um, it's kind of on hold at the moment, but it's a collection of novellas and art. So he does these cool monster paintings. Like they're just really cool, interesting monsters. And so that will be the art component and they would be paired with, uh, different novellas about a different monster. So, um, there's no delivery date for that yet, but that's mm-hmm. something that's, that's forthcoming. Have you been inspired 
any at all by uh, COVID. It's all right. Uh, it's funny. I'm um, I'm in a writer. I've been a, I've been in a writers group for about ten years, and uh, the goal is essentially we help each other succeed. We read each right. other's stuff. Oh yeah, I've done um, that. Awesome. Yeah. So it's uh, it's very helpful. And uh, they published, we published um, a COVID journal. It was all about life through COVID and stuff like that. I did not participate. Um, to me, I, I've never, I've never stopped writing during this. And to be honest with you, I don't. I am hoping that we get past this whole thing, and it's just, it's just a memory that we can say, oh yeah, you remember that. So I don't really want to commemorate this time. Um, not that it's been all bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I've been inspired by it. It has changed my life in significant ways, um, but I wouldn't say that in itself has inspired me. Right. Um, do you still play music? I still have. Uh, so I played bass. Bass was my instrument. Um, I still have a bass. I have a banjo. I have a ukulele, a guitar downstairs. So now I, I pick them up and I'll just play like uh, cure bass lines. That's you know that's that's just the kind of just to keep my fingers moving. Mm-hmm. But the band that I was in in the 90s, uh, they're still together. They're still playing, um, which I think is, is very cool. Um, but yeah, I, I would love, I wish when I quit that band that I had gone and done like some kind of like black metal project or like, um, or, or a Cure-like band, something like that. But uh, I moved on to something else after that. Hmm. What band? You still play? I'm sorry? What band did you play with? Uh, Violent Society. Uh, I played in a band called the Scumbags. Oh no, kidding! Mm-hmm. Were you? Yeah. That was based in Princeton. Yep, I still play. See. Oh, awesome! <laughs> you, so your guitar? Yeah. Awesome. Bunch of them. I think I'm like eight or nine. What do you uh, What do you play now? Um, I still play. You know. I, I played guitar and vocals, and I'm not. I was never a good vocalist, so I relied on screaming. Age has diminished my ability to scream for an hour. I used to be able to scream for an hour and be okay. Now, if I scream for an hour, I can't talk for a week. I hear you. So now I mostly play more psychedelic blues type of stuff, real heavily influenced by Hendrix and. Um, some of the older blues guys like Buddy Guy, Muddy Waters, and that kind of stuff. That's cool. But I also like to play some Doom too. Nice. One of the guys that uh, I grew up with, the 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 band I was telling you, he just played at John and Peter's last week. He's in a band called Kitty City, and they're kind of in the. He he grew up like listening to like a lot of Sabbath and that kind of stuff. And there's a bit of that in in it, but it is more like the Hendrixy. Uh, psychedelic type stuff, but that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I've always loved that kind of psychedelic bluesy stuff. That's great. Awesome. Um, so before we wrap this up, where can my listeners find you? Uh, so my website is uh, wjdonahue.com, and uh, pretty much everything you want to know about me is on there, including all my social links and stuff like that. Uh, that's probably a good place to start, wjdonahue.com. All right. So I'll put a link to that in the notes of this episode so my listeners can check you out Great. and buy some of your books. Well, thanks, Gary. I appreciate the time. It's been a pleasure. Me too. It was great talking to you. And hang on for one moment. I'm just going to play the outro.
coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com.